Warning, this podcast episode is not for the faint-hearted or children. Graphic details of true crimes will be discussed. Once again, this podcast episode is not for the faint-hearted or children. What's up, professionally silly listeners and those who randomly decided to stop by and give this podcast a shot? <laughs> I hope I don't disappoint. Welcome to the best podcast ever recorded on the Anchor app. Uh, that statement isn't supported by anything. It's just how I see it. Okay, so I guess I should introduce myself now. I'm your audible boo thing, Amber Smiles Jones, and this is the podcast where you can experience the silly, random, creepy, and of course, the weird. In short, we experience the world on a comical level, brought to you by my search engine. Yay! So last week, we talked about funny Thanksgiving stories, and I think the, the weirdest one was the teenager who thought it would be hilarious to stick his dick in the family Thanksgiving turkey. Yeah, yeah, you you, you, uh, you heard correctly, new listener. Um, <laughs> that happened. Um, this is um, the sort of thing that we talk about here. So clearly, this is a very classy podcast. So... <laughs> So buckle up, all right? It was um, it was definitely what I would call an unexpected episode, the things that I found. But uh, yeah, people are weird as fuck. If you haven't heard that episode yet, no worries. It's not too late. You can take a listen right after this one. Uh, the link uh, will, be d- will be below in the episode notes. Uh, but let me tell you something. If you're, new po- if you're new to this podcast, okay, if you're new here, you are going to enjoy yourself because we get weird up in here. We do. We get weird. We get creepy. We get silly. We, we just we just get <laughs> this week. We're going to take another visit into the creepy side of this podcast. But at the same time, interesting. You feel me? So today we're going to talk about last meal request for death row prisoners. What a lovely way to start the holiday season. Mm. Um, <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Yay. <laughs> I have to tell you, this is um, this research it definitely made me hungry uh, and, and also a little creeped out. <laughs> I was kind of creeped out that hunger, that, uh, that being hungry was something that I, <laughs> that I experienced during this horrible ordeal. But when you hear what some of these, some of these people ate, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I understand that. But as I mentioned before, OK, this podcast is is a bit graphic in the details and isn't for the fainthearted. I will, of course, put my own spin on sharing the information with a little humor, but I promise you it will be interesting, but it doesn't mean it won't be hard to listen to for a lot of people. So, um, but before we get started, I have a favor to ask. If you are listening to this podcast on iTunes, please rate and review Professionally Silly. I'm certainly, uh, I'm not certain if, if all the podcast platforms uh, that, that I'm available on has the, has the availability to rate. I don't know why I can't speak today. Has the availability to rate or review, but if it does hook a sister up, I want a a review. I want a rating. Let me know that you're loving me. Yes. (laughs) This actually does help get my podcast out there and heard by new listeners, which is awesome AF. Plus, you know, it's free to reviews. It doesn't cost you a thing, but a few moments of your time. So support your girl and share the podcast 
please professionally silly podcast with a friend and that because it does kind of help me you know, it inspires me to move on to move forward you know to, to keep to keep on trotting if you will if you enjoy the professionally silly podcast give me a call in or text my google voice number and let a girl know 805-664-1828 805-664-1828 or you can tweet me on twitter at true smiles jones t-r-u smiles jones Everything is spelled correctly except for the word true. (laughs) Hit me up about this or any podcast episode that I've done. And um, it's always super, super dope to hear from you guys. The Smile Squad, which I love. But before we get into um, these murderous human beings, um, (laughs) I've got some information for those of you who are interested in starting your own podcast. And guess what? It's 100% Take a listen. Yes, come and join the podcasting community and share your voice right here on Anchor. Matter of fact, share it around the world because your voice matters too. And the topics that you can discuss are endless. Actually, speaking of topics, let's get back to ours. Last meal request for death row prisoners. So what we're going to do is we're going to touch on what death row, what the death row inmates did to get them on death row, as well as what their last meal requests were. Uh, Before we get into the list, let's go ahead and touch on what last meal requests actually are, as well as a few facts about them. So yay, who's ready to learn something? Yay. Okay. So... (laughs) The last meal is something that is customarily done before execution. The prisoners get to have one last meal of their choosing, but there are restrictions. Most states have a certain monetary amount the meal can't go over. For instance, Florida won't allow the meal to exceed over $40. In Oklahoma, it's only $15. Also, prisoners can't order just anything. Alcohol is pretty much never allowed. The food that they order has to be something that can be prepared on site and is usually prepared by the prison's chef that's already there, who is also a prisoner. In Virginia, they have a 28-day rotating menu. For example, hamburger would be like the first day of the cycle, spaghetti the second day, and so on. Death row inmates have to choose from that 28-day rotating menu. That's the only option they get. I mean, I guess if you wanted more choices, you probably shouldn't have gotten yourself on death row. That's just me. Um, (laughs) Do they have sushi on the death row? I mean, all right, or whatever. Um, (laughs) I couldn't find anybody that ordered sushi for their death row, at least not yet, you know, maybe another episode. Um, So anyways, the last meal requests are usually submitted a few days before their execution date. And the most requested last meal is hamburger and fries, believe it or not. But can you imagine writing out the last food you will ever taste? They actually have a choice. And that's not something they would have had for decades when you think about it because you're in prison, you know. I, I don't know if I don't even know what I would choose, to be honest with you. But it's a good thing I'm not on death row, huh? (laughs) So anyways, the meals are then brought to the inmate uh, a few hours before their execution. And and then here's like an interesting thing that I didn't know, that they have a uh, communications representative who announces what their last meal choices were to the reporters. 
unless the prisoner decides to keep that secret and, you know, take it to his grave. They can be like, listen, don't tell nobody what I had. None of their fucking, you know, business. I'm dying. My last choice. And sometimes that does happen. Um, anyways, uh, 14 of the states allow the prisoner to choose how he will be put to death. And there are five methods of execution used in the U.S. Hanging, uh, which has been done for centuries, and one happened as recent as 1996 in Delaware. Uh, firing squad, which was, uh, which has used as, which was, excuse me, uh, <laughs> word farts and vomits and word charts are happening. <laughs> and I was saying firing squad, which was used as recent as 2010. Uh, that was in a state of Utah, the electric chair, uh, mostly used in South Carolina, Alabama, in uh, Virginia, and of course our favorite state on this podcast, Florida. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the gas chamber is um, it, it's still a choice for inmates in Missouri and California. And lastly, lethal injection, which is most uh, the most current used way to execute in these last few decades. So let's go ahead and recap Recap here. We've got, you can be hung, you can have a firing squad, you can take the electric chair, or you can do the gas chamber, but the most current and most used way to be executed is the lethal injection. So in the lethal injection, uh, the first drug is injected, it, it, that's, that's injected, it, it sedates you. The second drug paralyzes your muscles And then the final drug, that's the one that stops the heart. Now, that one is actually called potassium chloride. Fun fact about that, uh, potassium chloride is an ingredient in Dasani water. I mean, it's not enough to kill you, but still, it's kind of (laughs) weird. Now, it should also be noted that not every date is a death penalty state. There are about, I think, 30 states that still have the death penalty, and about 20 states that have actually abolished the death penalty. And, um, oh, he, oh, here's another fun fact about death. <laughs> That's weird to say. Uh, Texas actually has executed the most prisoners of all states. I, I don't know why, but I'm really not that surprised. Not to mention, it is a huge state, you know. So at one point, they executed 89 people in three years. That is insane. And here's another fun fact. I'm just full of fun today. Just full of fun. Um, Not sure why um, I called it fun, but the last uh, public execution was in 1936 in Kentucky. Now, you guys may not remember this because, you know, none of us were alive, but it used to be a time where public executions were a thing. Like you take your friends or your family there, a little barbecue, watch somebody get killed. You know, that's, this is what they did. I'm not really sure about the barbecue thing. I added that part. Um, But yeah, so that the last uh, public execution was in 1936 in Kentucky. Lost my place. Oh, here we go. And over 10,000 people witnessed that last execution in Kentucky. It's the largest number of witnesses since the Kentucky execution in uh, 2001. And that was the execution of the Oklahoma City bomber, Timothy McVeigh. He was executed um, in Indiana and was the first federal prisoner to be executed since 1963. So, yeah, 30 witnesses um, attended and 200 of the victims' family members watched the lethal injection on closed circuit TV. 
May he not rest in peace. Fuck Timothy McVeigh. If you don't know much about that guy, the Oklahoma City bomber, there are tons of documentaries and videos about him on YouTube and Netflix and probably Hulu, maybe even Investigation Discovery. If you want to look that up, you can. He, ugh, I hate that guy. All right, so many, many pray, obviously, when they're about to be executed. They pray that that red phone will ring and grant them a stay of execution. Now, what you may not know is more than 130 people who were fully, were actually fully exonerated just before they were executed. So it does happen. It's just a small amount. And that is a small number when you think about it. I mean, just imagine the amount of people falsely convicted and then executed. There are a lot of people, you know, that that has happened to. But maybe we should um, do an episode about a few of those cases at another time. Just, you know, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter, True Smiles Jones, or maybe give me, you know, call in 805-664-1828. In the bottom of my my episode notes, ways to reach me, like my email, social media contact, all that stuff is there. So you can just hit me up there. All right. So um, where are we? Oh, okay. So in Texas, the identity of the executioner is actually kept a secret. In Florida, a citizen is paid $150 to be the executioner. I mean, that, this is all according to my search engine, guys. All right. <laughs> you can look this up yourself if you want like fact facts that don't sound, you know, if I'm giving you something that you're like, I don't know about this one. I am not an encyclopedia. I just used Google, <laughs> you know, but I got to be honest with you. That's not a job that I want. I don't want to be anyone's executioner. I feel like it would come with a lot of nightmares. No, ma'am. Nope, not I. So now that we have learned some stuff, let's go ahead and get into these last meal requests and the stories of the men and women behind them. So the first death row inmate that we're going to talk about is Joseph Mitchell Parsons. Now, let me paint a picture for you. It's the 80s. Prince's Purple Rain was on the Billboard 200 for about 18 weeks. Whitney Houston, she introduced us to one of her most famous hits, Greatest Love of All. Michael Jackson won hella Grammys for Thriller. Also, I was born, so it was a pretty dope decade. Um, (laughs) I might be a little bit biased, but whatever. So Joseph Parsons was an American man who was convicted of stabbing a guy named Richard Lynn Ernest to death uh, after hitchhiking a ride with him in California. Joseph, whose nickname for some reason (laughs) was Yogi, um, told Richard that he was on his way to Denver, Colorado for a construction job. Now here's a kicker. Parsons, Joseph, was actually a fugitive and Richard had no idea. So Joseph was actually released from the Nevada State Prison to a halfway house after he had, he and a friend uh, were convicted for stealing a taxi at gunpoint. But these are obviously these are fantastic human beings roaming the earth but um here is the awesome part they were caught by a citizen's arrest now that is the dream like I don't like (laughs) obviously nobody likes a snitch or nothing but if you can help save someone's life in the throes of like physical and physicalness and 
you know, just, just, just be there to save somebody's life and be the hero. That would be dope. Anywho, <laughs> he was caught by a citizen's arrest. And um, it was a man named Charles Conant. Uh, I believe that's how you say his name. And his brother, his brother-in-law, Ronald Mask. They were both armed with guns. So obviously no one was going to be fucking with them. <laughs> but I, I, like I said, I've always wanted to do a citizen's, a citizen's arrest. You know, be the hero and shit because that would be dope as fuck. But... <laughs> you know, but too bad. Um, when he was released to the halfway house, he escaped and fled on a stolen motorcycle. So this dude learned absolutely nothing. Just, just stealing shit and living life. I mean, that sounds fire. It sounds like it, it would be a dope ass professionally silly life rules, but I fucking hate thieves. So just live, just living life. We'll just take out the stealing shit. <laughs> so anyways, Joseph was hitchhiking along Interstate 15 in California, which is about a four-hour drive from Vegas, I believe. And um, he was picked up by Richard. Now, this is when the stab, when he, um, <clears throat> when he was stabbed nine times at a remote rest stop in Utah, which ended his life. Now, after the murder, he stole Richard's car and his identity. And even when he was arrested, he told the police his name was Richard Ernest. So he pretty much stole his identity. That's what he did. Parsons said he killed Richard because he was defending himself from a homosexual advance, which is complete bullshit. That's what he told them when he was finally caught. And even um, if even if that were true, you you could say, no, thank you. Uh, I'll just I'll hitch another ride. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't think murder was your only option. That's just my personal opinion there. Anyways, he pleaded guilty to aggravated assault, uh, vehicle theft and first degree murder. Uh, he was sentenced to death by a jury of his peers and uh, his execution date was set for October 15th, 1999, which wasn't that far away, you know, that long ago. It was uh, in the state of Utah and he chose lethal injection. Because remember earlier, in a lot of states, you're allowed to choose. Anyways, um, his last meal request was a chocolate shake, two large fries, three Burger King Whoppers, um, chocolate chip, chocolate chip ice cream, and a pack of Hubba Bubba gum. Um, actually, I prefer, what's the other one? Bubble, bubble, whatever. I like that shit. It's got like long bubbles. Anyways, <laughs> he also requested to share his last meal with his family. I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I would want Burger King to be my last meal. That's just one of the reasons why I picked this one because that's weird as fuck to me. Ew. I don't like Burger King, obviously. And obviously, you know, that Burger King man, the one, ugh, he is creepy. You guys knew what I'm talking about. Like, I know they haven't used him, you know, in a while for, like, advertising purposes, but I still have nightmares about that bastard. <laughs> ah, okay. But it's not a bad option for his, for his last meal, I guess. I mean, I would have chose cookies and cream for my ice cream choice. It's, you know, because it's my fave. And uh, this is definitely, yeah, this is a creepy podcast episode today, but a bitch is getting hungry. Yeah. Okay, so our next death row inmate is Dobie Gillis Williams 
we we have ourselves yet another 80s murder. I don't know what it is about the 80s, but murderers really enjoyed that decade. I, <laughs> I tell you, I also hope that you guys are really enjoying this podcast episode uh, because so much research and time went into it. Also, researching murderers doesn't exactly deliver good dreams. Just throwing that out there. Okay, Dobie Williams, um, our murderer. Supposedly, and I say supposedly, because not everyone thinks Dobie was guilty. According to the prosecution, in 1984, he snuck into the home of Herbert and Sonia, or is it Sonja Nippers? It's K-N-I-P-P-E-R-S. I'm assuming the K is silent or the N is silent. I don't know. Nippers or kippers. I'm not sure. Anywho, Dobie stacked two milk crates outside the bathroom window and cut a slit, excuse me, cut a slit into the screen and he's, you know, slipped in. Sonja or Sonia and, and I hope I'm saying her name correctly, um, Sandra went into her bathroom moments later and Williams closed and locked the door and began stabbing her to death. Now, it was said that her husband, Herbert, tried to break down the bathroom door while his wife was being attacked, but he failed. Now, according to the prosecution, Dobie was able to free, excuse me, was able to flee uh, the scene and exit through the exact same window. Now, Sanja was able to open the bathroom door and her husband carried her to the couch where she later bled out and died. That's, I can't even imagine that. It's just like walking into your bathroom in your home, thinking you're alone and there's someone hiding in there. That's, that's horrifying. So Herbert told the police that he heard his wife yelling that a black man was killing her. Now, I I honestly don't know how I feel about that. It just seems like a strange thing to say when you're being stabbed. Okay, I've never been stabbed before, but I feel like I feel like all I will be doing is screaming in pain. I, I don't think I even have time to be racist at that point. I I don't know. But at the time of the crime, Williams uh, was on a five-day furlough from prison. So that's not looking too good for him. He had been in prison for attempted burglary. But because he was considered a model prisoner and not prone to violence, they allowed him to visit his grandfather's house. Now, his grandfather's house was point four miles away from, uh, from, the, from the Kemper's house. And for my international listeners, that's about 0.6 kilometers. Now, <clears throat> look at me knowing stuff. <laughs> yeah, okay, I Googled it. Shut up. Now, <laughs> supposedly, they had a witness about an hour before the murder that saw Williams walking away from his grandfather's house. Now, of course, police already knew that he had a record, so they picked him up for questioning. They even told him that they would be there until they got what they wanted. Now, these are quotes coming from several different articles. Now, it, it's no secret that during a lot of criminal investigations, police can get tunnel vision, especially when there's a black man at the end of that tunnel. I'm just saying. <laughs> and we are talking about, you know, the 80s. I mean, things aren't really that different now, honestly. But um, 
So they gave Dobie a medical examination and they found scratches and abrasions on his body. And they say that they were consistent with wounds that someone would get after going through a window, a bathroom window in a rush. So that's pretty specific that the bruises can tell them exactly. Oh, yeah, he got these bruises from going inside the bathroom window. That couldn't have happened any other way. It's kind of, I don't know. So three police officers testified that he confessed this to them, uh, confessed to them. And according to them, after he stabbed her and jumped out the window, he dropped the knife in the Kipper's backyard. And he then supposedly told them that he ran to his grandfather's house and hid his shirt underneath the porch. So the cops find the knife and the shirt where they said Dobie told both those items would be. And this, here's the part that annoys me. This confession was never recorded. Never recorded. So it's pretty much the word of three white officers versus a black man with the IQ of 65. And that was indeed his IQ. I'm not making fun of him. That was his IQ. So now there is... Now, here's the other part that annoys me the most is that this was the 80s. So DNA testing was not as accurate as it is now. All they could do was match the blood type that supposedly is uh, very rare among black people. So um, then a second team of DNA analysis uh, found a lot of problems with their first set of tests. But the lab decided to use the faulty results anyway. This man... Dobie Williams never stood a chance. So Williams was indicted, was indicted uh, by the grand jury of first degree murder in Louisiana. And he was later sentenced to death. Now, there are many people that believe in his innocence and think the state of Louisiana did not execute this man. They murdered him. That's what they say. He was executed January 8th, 1999 by lethal injection. His last meal request was 12 candy bars and some ice cream. And his last words were, I just want to say, I don't have any hard feelings against anybody. God bless y'all. God bless. His last words, when you think about it, it, it speaks volumes. Um, <clears throat> so I only chose uh, his because of his option of his last meal. I had seen his option for the last meal before I researched who he was and what happened and what his story was. And um, yeah, that kind of messed up. But it was the reason I chose it before I knew everything was the sugar. It was all sugar. There was like no meat at all. And most last meal requests included a lot of meat. So that was kind of a tough one. And um, because also as I was researching it, I found myself getting furious while reading everything. And I'm sure you can understand why. And there's no need for me to go into detail on the specific, on the specific, um, on the specific podcast episode as to everything. But besides, if I did, the, the entire episode would just be sounds of me foaming at the mouth in anger. So don't worry, I'll make sure that the death, death row prisoner isn't one is one that you really don't mind being put to death. Okay, I guarantee. <laughs> okay, so this next one, I'm going to keep my word, meaning I don't think you'll shed a tear for this man's death. And the manner of execution that he chose is now illegal. Dun, 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 right? 
very suspenseful, isn't it? Okay, so, okay, oh my god, you guys, you, you're not gonna really believe this, it's another 80s crime, yay, <laughs> this shit is crazy, all right, so, um, but you know what, at least we're not in Florida, so that's good, there's a little inside joke for you, so, Ronnie Lee Gardner, that's the guy we're going to talk about next. Ronnie Lee Gardner. This dickweed was sent to prison for robbery in 1980. He then escaped prison in 1981. And while he was out, um, he, he confronted a man uh, who was sleeping with his girlfriend. And I guess an altercation occurred because it says he was wounded by gunfire. He eventually uh, was arrested and sent back to the clink. And I... I tried to sound real cool when I said that, but I think I may have failed. <laughs> and um, in 1984, he was taken to the hospital for a checkup and he ended up stealing the, uh, the guard's gun and he escaped again. This dude was on his Harry Houdini swag, hard as fuck. Um, <laughs> for those of you don't, who don't know who Harry Houdini is, you know, Google it. Um, you know, he, he's a magi- he's a magician. A magician, 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 magician. It sounds wrong. Anyway, he does magic tricks. All right. <laughs> I just, it just sounded weird. You know, when you say words, and they don't sound right. That was just one of those moments. All right, anyway, um, a few months later, he shot and killed Melvin John Otterstorm, Otterstrom. And um, this is during a robbery at, at a bar that Melvin worked at. Now get this. He was actually in court, the Salt Lake City Courthouse in Utah for that crime when he made an escape attempt. Now during this escape attempt, he shot and wounded George Kirk, a bailiff, and he also ended up killing Michael Burdell, who was an attorney. Now killing this attorney is what got him on death row in 1985. George the bailiff, now he died years later, and his family, they say that, you know, it was a result of his injuries from that day. Now, apparently, when Garner entered the courthouse basement with his, with, um, with his guards, a woman named Karma Jolie Hainsworth, I think that's how you say her name, um, she pretty much walked up to him and handed him a gun. That's what they did. Uh, they later found out that she had hidden a bag of duct tape a bag with duct tape, a knife, and um, men's under, <clears throat> and men's clothing under uh, under a sink in the women's bathroom. Oh, what a stupid bitch! Oh God, she, that dumb bitch. <laughs> That's all I can say. So this dumb bitch, Karma, which is hilarious that her name is Karma, because Karma's coming for you. <laughs> After she gives um, Ronnie a gun and. You know, and gives him all the stuff that he wants. Uh, Ronnie and the guards, they exchange fire at each other. Now, he tried to get away and um, and he fled to the archives room of the courthouse. Now, this is where he shot and killed attorney Michael Burdell. And Michael was hiding behind the door. Um, he He then forced a prison officer to take him to the stairwell that leads to the second floor. Now, as Ronnie crossed the lobby, Nick, the bailiff that he killed, just happened to step off the elevator at that exact moment. He wasn't even armed. Ronnie made it to, so he killed him. Uh, Ronnie made it to his destination and then took a hostage who was, um, who was a vending machine serviceman. Just as they were exiting the building, he broke free and escaped again. This dude... 
<laughs> Can't nobody hold my stride. Hey. Can't nobody hold me down. Oh no, oh no, I got to keep on moving. I feel like I messed up the lyrics of the first part of that. Whatever. The point is, this motherfucker can't be jailed, apparently. <laughs> Alright, so... Let me see here. Oh, okay. So when we when he got outside, Gardner was surrounded by policemen with their weapons drawn. They ordered him to drop his gun and get to the ground, and he did. He surrendered, um, and I'm sure that they were hoping that he would not have. After everything he did, I'm sure they were hoping that he would just fire at him. <coughs> Woo! Excuse me. Didn't know that was coming. So, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they were hoping that he would shoot at them so they could, you know, kill him, just lay him out, which is riddle his ass with bullets. I'm sure that's what they wanted. Um, Gardner was given a choice uh, for his execution, legal injection or firing squad. He decided to go out with the uh, the firing squad, which I, I guess is a good thing for him because he actually had a choice. Um, he was sentenced to death before Utah eliminated the firing squad as an option, which was in 2004. And he, um, you know, when you think about it, it's also kind of fitting because of how he killed those men. You know, he actually fasted uh, from food for about 36 hours before his last meal, only drank liquids uh, during that time frame. His last meal was interesting. Um, he requested lobster tail, a steak. Seven up to drink and apple pie with with uh, vanilla ice cream, but here is here is where the weird part comes in. He also requested to watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not certain if he got to watch the whole trilogy or not, but some places online says he did, and some places online says that he didn't. Anywho, firing squad. Um, a lot of people think that it's a barbaric and inhumane you know, way to die, but he chose it. So Um, he also requested that his family not be present for this, for his execution, which I get. I I can't imagine um, anyone wanting their family to, you know, to see them shot to death. You know, that's not something you can unsee. So he was uh, executed by firing squad in 2010, which is pretty fucking recent. Um, at the time, he was the first person to be executed by firing squad in 14 years. They strapped him down in the chair, put the black hood over his head, and uh, there was a target placed over his heart. He faced a white wall, which was about 20 or 30 feet away from the firing squad. Behind the white wall were five anonymous marksmen, but not all of them had bullets um, in their guns. Four of them had bullets and one of them had blanks. And I guess I did this because, you know, this is this way none of the men who participated in uh, Gardner's execution knew who had the bullets and who didn't. So there's a chance that they wouldn't, you know, that way they wouldn't get a chance to feel too guilty later on because of that, which is, I think is a good idea <clears throat> because no one will really know who fired the kill shot. You know, I, I just, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. And luckily for me, I will never have to. I don't plan to be on death row anytime soon. And I also don't plan on killing someone on death row. I don't want to be anyone's executioner. That's just too much. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, I don't plan to be on death row anytime soon. I do believe though, that I kept my word when I said to you 
that you wouldn't mind if this guy died. Now, I'm sure Firing Squad was a little dramatic, but, you know, whatever. He kind of had it coming. He had it coming. He had it coming. He only had himself to blame. I think after I finish recording this podcast, I'm going to watch Chicago. Yeah. Oh, man, this episode is a lot. <laughs> I, it, you guys have no idea how much research or research. I like the word research. It sounds smarter. You guys have no idea how much research it took <laughs> to find all this information and to like and to try to minimize as much of it as possible. Otherwise, this would have been a book. <laughs> Anywho, we are back in the 80s. Um, so our next piece of shit murderer is Peter J. Menuel. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly. I really don't care. Um, however you pronounce it. Um, you know, because he's a murderer. Anywho, Peter and his asshole friend James Russell Jr. decided to go to Paul Mariner's house, you know, to party. Now, from what I understand, the term, do you like to party? That term usually means, do you do cocaine? <laughs> so if anyone asks if anyone asks you, hey, do you like to party? They could be asking you if you're down for some of that booger sugar. It's a good chance. Some of that white girl, huh? Yeah, some of that news candy. <laughs> but that makes sense. Um it was the eighties and Coke was huge back then. So Peter tells Russell that they should rob Paul. Paul starts to clean off his mirror to get ready for some cocaine. I'm assuming he had the stereotypical mirror tray that you always see lines of coke on in the movies. I'm assuming that's what that was. Um, And um, he's just, you know, minding his business, cleaning off his cocaine mirror and excited as fuck to get high. The next thing you know, he's hit in the head with a beer mug. Paul falls to the floor and Peter continues to hit him over the head. Then he um, he enter he. Excuse me. He actually decide he actually excuse me, Russell decides to get a shock absorber that was sitting on a nearby table. Now, a shock absorber is a mechanical or hydraulic device that is designed to absorb and dampen shock impulses. They say it's mainly used for cars, you know. I sounded like I knew what I was talking about, didn't I? Yeah, I didn't. I googled it. Um, so, Peter Russell Uh, Peter told Russell to hit Paul in the head with it. Russell did as he was told, but Peter wasn't happy with his efforts and told him he, he wasn't hitting hard. He wasn't hitting Paul hard enough. Now he was upset that Paul was still conscious. So he took the shock absorber and repeatedly hit Paul in the head about four or five times himself. Now, Paul was still moving and conscious. This infuriated Russell even more. Now, he this infuriated Peter even more, excuse me. Now, he told Russell to pull out his knife and stab him. Russell opened up his knife apprehensively, and Peter, who was annoyed, took the knife from Russell, and he stabbed Paul himself. Now, still, Paul was moving and fighting for his life, so Peter told Russell to hold him down while he slits his throat. But the knife he had was too dull. So he decided to stuff a blanket down his throat to suffocate him. Paul suffered 10 cuts, 39 stab wounds, and six blunt 
trauma injuries to his head. He also had a hole that was inside of his skull. After he killed him, they stole the stereo in the living room and the victim's wallet, which he only had $20 in it. They then went to Burger King for burgers, which is fucked up. You know, just do, do evil people just enjoy Burger King? Is that what was Burger King invented for horrible people? Because that's what I'm hearing so far. <laughs> so far, we've had a couple of uh, murderers that are like, you know what? I'm going to move for Burger King after they've killed someone. I, I don't know. All right. So later, later on, Peter mentioned that he was disappointed to find only $20 in the wallet. Fuck. I am... <laughs> I'm glad this motherfucker was on death row. Um, it's where he it's where he deserves to be. So Peter was arrested in Chicago and he confessed to the police everything. Russell testified against him for a lighter sentence. And Russell only got about um, Russell only got 50 years. And Peter was sentenced to death row in 1988. And he was executed in 2004 by lethal injection. Damn, that's the year I graduated high school. Whew. Okay, so his last meal was two Cokes, two Pepsis, two glasses of orange juice, two root beers, 20 beef enchiladas, two double cheeseburgers, 20 beef tacos, fried chicken, spaghetti, a jalapeno pizza, <laughs> caramel pecan fudge ice cream. Shit, I have never even heard of that flavor. <laughs> fruitcake, which I don't fucking understand because, ew. Um, Cookies and cream, ice cream. He's finally doing something right with his life. Cookies and cream is the dopest flavor ever created. Um, (laughs) He also had half a a chocolate cake and half a vanilla cake. It should be noted that he had one of the largest meal requests uh, actually served on death row. His last words were, into your hands, O Lord, I commence my spirit. Amen. I'm ready. As the drugs entered his system, he said he felt a burning sensation. Good, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't even know. I have I have no words. so many death row inmates out there with so much information. I was going to try to do 10, but then I discovered so much and <sighs> but I don't know if you guys like this episode, please let me know. Maybe we can do a part two. Uh, call in 805-664-1828 or uh, tweet me on Twitter at True Smiles Jones, T-R-U and then the word smiles plural, spell plural, and then, the, and then my last name, Jones. So True Smiles Jones. I would love to hear your voices. Um, I feel like it's only fair. You guys stalk my voice every week. Shit. <laughs> or you can even check out my Facebook page at Amber Smiles Jones. We can always talk about uh, the podcast there. And um, all that info uh, is below in the show notes. Okay, so what do you say uh, we keep going? Maybe we can knock out one or two more in this episode, but... If you are wanting a part two, let me know. So 
<clears throat> we have ourselves a guy who doesn't really need, I don't know, a backstory, nor does he deserve much of our time. Adolf Eichmann, one of the Holocaust organizers, he was a Nazi, a Nazi officer. He hung his ass and uh, they hung his ass in Israel in 1962. Um, I'm glad, you know, they, they, hung, they hung him real nice in 1962. He declined a last meal. He had a bottle of, of caramel. Uh, I think that's how you say it. It's a dry red Israeli wine. And he only drank half the bottle. I'm not going into the history of that. I mean, a lot of you are old enough to know what the Holocaust is. If you're not old enough to know what the Holocaust is, chances are you shouldn't be listening to this episode or me at all because you're too young <laughs> and also ignorant as fuck. No, Google it up. Google it up. Anyway, moving on to another asshole, uh, Victor Figure. I'm pretty sure I messed up his name. F-E-G-U-E-R. Victor was the last federal inmate executed in the United States. Of course, that was before Timothy McVeigh. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Timothy McVeigh is, he was the American domestic terrorist who was responsible for the Oklahoma City bombings in uh, 1995. That killed over um, that killed about 168 people and injured over 680 others. Now, who, by the way, um, Timothy McVeigh had two pints of mint chocolate ice cream before he was executed by lethal injection in 2001. Ooh, look at that. Bonus last meal. <laughs> okay. Super okay about his execution, by the way. Just not Didn't shed a tear. Okay. Uh, let me see. Let's get back to Victor. In 1960, he was a drifter from the state of Michigan, and he ended up going to Iowa. Uh, he rented a room at a boarding house, and not long after he got there, he called... Um, Dr. Edward Bartels or Bartels and told him that a woman needed medical attention. But when the doctor arrived, Victor decided to kidnap him. Victor shot Dr. Balters, uh, Bartels, I'm going to say that, uh, shot Dr. Bart Bartels, excuse me, in the head. Uh, a couple laters, a couple days later, uh, Victor was arrested in, in Alabama trying to sell the doctor's car. Now, it was believed that Victor did all of this to gain access to any drugs that the doctor may have had to treat his patients. But now Victor has crossed state lines. So now charges are federal. Um, in court, Victor claimed that um, <clears throat> that a drug addict from Chicago was responsible for murdering the doctor. So he claimed that he killed the drug addict and then dumped his body in the Mississippi River. But of course, after further investigation, police could not find any evidence of such claims. They couldn't even prove that this other person existed. Now, probably because he was full of shit and lying out of his ass. I'm sure that's what that was. But I'm only making educated guesses here. Um, he was sentenced to death by hanging. Um, he tried to submit an appeal, but it was denied. At the time... The only person in the entire country that could save him and commute his death sentence would have been 
President John F. Kennedy at the time. But he even he denied their request because he believed that the crime was just too brutal. From from what I understand, Victor was held at the federal uh, penitentiary in Levensworth, Kansas, but they were not <clears throat> they were not set up at the time to perform executions. So uh, they sent him back to Iowa. He was brought there and remained there for ten days until his execution date, which was on March fifteenth, nineteen sixty three, and he um. He was executed um, uh, by hanging. Uh, that's what he decided to, to choose there. So, yeah, he was hung. 1963. His last meal request was one olive with the pit included. He even had the olive um, on his person when he was hung. It's to believe that he was buried with that olive as well. But that's <laughs> that's crazy, right? I guess supposedly the olive was supposed to be like i don't know like an analogy for like you know extending out an olive branch for forgiveness or something i don't know i don't know but yeah just one olive and i gotta be honest with you i hate olives well i don't i don't like black olives especially on my pizza but i will try i like green olives okay i do especially the fancy ones from trader joe's with the awesome like stuff on the inside like ooh, 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 like the ones that stuff with garlic or onion or cheese or so ah also murder's bad don't don't murder don't murder You talking to me? Yeah, I think you're talking to you. Um, no, not, not at all. Um, I want you to have it. Uh, Will you mind passing this down to... Uh, hey, no, hi, man. Don't, don't pass your cornbread to him. That's your cornbread. Ray, I'm a grown man, okay? I'm not going to eat this cornbread if he wants the cornbread, damn it. If he wants some cornbread, let him go up to the front and get his own portion of cornbread. That's your cornbread. Fuck him. Hey, man, he going to eat his cornbread, all right? Fuck you. Right. Look, I don't, I don't need you to, to, to take up for me. I'm all right. I'm a, I'm a grown man. I can handle it. If you it. let him have your cornbread, you're going to be adding his drawers and clipping his toenails. Maybe I ought to eat your cornbread. Oh, oh motherfucker, you can't have my cornbread. That's for damn sure. But if you try to take my cornbread, part two of my killing spree going to begin up in here on your ass right now. If you think about my cornbread, make get the taste out your mouth. That's for damn sure. Now, fuck him. Fuck that. Because I'm from New York City, goddammit. Nobody take no cornbread from me. And that go for you and any other you motherfucking farmers want to try some shit. You fuck around with me, it's going to be consequences and repercussions. You got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> Yo, that is like my one of my favorite scenes from the movie Life. <laughs> Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, time for a reboot. I figured, you know, it's time for like a little... A little laughing break since we're talking about murderers and death row and all that stuff. So I remembered that scene and thought to myself, ooh, it's still about prison. <laughs> all right, y'all, let's get to our next asshole. So I just realized that we've only done male death row inmates. And when you think of mass murderers or serial killers or anything of that nature, it's automatically assumed that they're men. 
but women can be just as brutal and just as cruel. So, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to welcome you to our first female death row inmate, Velma Margie Barfeld. And once again, I would like to apologize ahead of time because my neighbor's dog will not shut the fuck up ever. Sorry. Um, so you'll be glad to know that these murders happened in the 70s. So not, not only am I giving you a female murderer, but a different decade. Sorry, 80s. The 70s had murders too. So Velma was what I like to call a widow maker. She even made herself a widow. She had two marriages that ended in deaths of and ended in the deaths of her husbands. Um, in 1977, she was in a relationship with a guy named Stuart Taylor. Uh, he was a tobacco farmer and he had decided to forge, she had, excuse me, decided to forge his checks in order to pay for her addiction to prescription drugs. So this, uh, this is not a new problem. People being addicted to prescription drugs, um, so she was worried that Stewart would find out. So instead of coming clean or seeking help, uh, she got the bright idea to mix arsenic-based rat poison into his beer and tea. Of course, she pretended, you know, to take care of him while he was ill, and um, he unfortunately did pass away. Uh, let me see here. Oh, here we go. I lost my spot. The autopsy was performed, and uh, they found poisoning was the cause of death. Velma was arrested and charged with murder, but things got crazy during the trial period. Uh, for one, she she tried to plead insanity, which annoys the shit out of me. The fact that people try to use mental illness as an excuse to do the things that they want to do is annoying. When people do that, it, it sets a negative tone uh, for those who actually have mental illnesses. And it's one of the reasons why a lot of people are afraid of those with mental illnesses because they don't understand. And when people lie and they do horrible things and then blame it on mental illness, it makes everybody else afraid of people with mental illness. It You know, that's a whole another podcast episode. But once again, I don't think you want to have an hour episode of me foaming at the mouth in anger. So we're going to move on. <laughs> I really could go on and on about that, but I'm already enraged enough. Um, so anyways, thank goodness the courts did not accept her plea and she was convicted. The jury sentenced her to death. And during her sentencing, Velma didn't really seem to give a fuck. She she actually gave the district attorney a round of applause uh, when he made his closing speech. That is some, I mean, that's some weird shit if you ask me, but I feel like that's her trying to, you know, go for the insanity thing. Just do something weird and crazy that nobody would expect. I don't know. I just think she's a, a you know a murderous bitch, but that's just me. Uh, later on, she confessed to the 1974 murder of her own mother. So yeah, she, she, she crazy. Um, she also confessed to killing two other elderly people that she was paid to, uh, to be their caregiver. And, um, of course they are, uh, they all maliciously died, you know, and there is a, oh, here's a strange fact about her. She always attended the funerals of her victims. She even seemed to genuinely grieve for them. So maybe she is fucked up in the head. I don't know. <laughs> so they decided to exhume the body of one of her late husbands, Thomas Bearfield, 
or Barfield. And um, they also found traces of arsenic in his remains. Now, supposedly the reason she killed these people was to take their money. So she would then uh, poison them to make them sick so she could take care of them while she finds a way to pay them back. Okay. You guys can't tell, but my side eye game is strong as fuck right now. Like, I think I have a headache. I was looking to decide so hard. Um, So she became known as the death row granny. She was also the first woman to be executed in the U.S. since 1962 and the first since they re, uh, reinstated the death penalty in 1976. So she's she's giving us a lot of first ladies, girl power. <laughs> I don't know. So the woman, the first woman to ever be executed uh, by the United States government was Mary Surratt. Now, she was one of the four people involved with the plot to kill President Abraham Lincoln, Vice President Andrew Johnson, and Secretary of State William Seward. Now, out of the three, only President Lincoln was killed. And they were, I mean, obviously, you probably know your history. But they were all hung July 7th, 1865. Now, I couldn't find out what her last meal was, which is why I didn't choose her uh, for a section of this particular podcast. But I still wanted to include it as a footnote. Uh, They were actually, there were actually a lot of people uh, who did not think that she should have been hung. But, you know. You know how the 1800s are. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to Velma. Um, on death row, she was now off the drugs and even expressed remorse for the things that she had done um, that had destroyed her moral compass and her judgment. She she never really did explain why she killed, though. She, um, she had supposedly become a born-again Christian, which is probably more terrifying than what she was before. I'm joking, but I'm also serious. Of course. <laughs> now she tried to appeal her sentencing, but to no avail. Uh, but uh, it actually seems like she had more, um, more pills, more appeals than she could have used. But in my, in my research, it says, you know, that she began to accept the fact that she was going to die and instructed her attorney to drop all, all the appeals that she had. Uh, the day the day before she was due to be executed. So she she said that she wanted to die with dignity. Now, North Carolina law at the time allowed her the choice of her execution, which was legal, um, legal injection or the gas chamber. She chose le- uh, lethal injection, legal. She chose lethal injection and was the first woman to be executed by lethal injection. She had a lot of firsts. Girl power. Woo. Um, she she was executed November 2nd, 1984. She chose to dress in her own pink pajamas for the execution and was made to wear a diaper. Her last meal was a 12 ounce can of Coca-Cola and a bag of cheese doodles. Yeah, a can of Coke and a bag of cheese doodles. That is crazy as fuck for your last meal. That just, it, it just sounds like she had the munchies before they killed her. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's one for the girls. Yes. <laughs> Who run the world? Girls. All right. All right. All right. I'm gonna stop now. All right. So we are down to our last death row inmate of the day. And that's James Edward Smith. Now, James was convicted of murder in 1983. 
Yep, we're going to end it in the 80s. Yes, best decade ever. Actually, that was the 90s, I believe. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Um, <laughs> James shot and killed Larry Rojas during a robbery outside the offices of the International Trade Center building in Houston, Texas. Now, guys, let me tell you something. Give you a little, give you a little advice. Don't commit death row type crimes in Texas, okay? Because remember, earlier I told you guys uh, that Texas has executed the most people in the United States. So, I mean, obviously, don't murder in general, but... You know, Texas don't play. All right. (laughs) So James entered the office with a gun in hand, demanding money. Now, there were two employees that were there. One of them ran and hid while the other, Larry, complied with all the demands that he was given. Now, Larry gave him the money that he asked for and turned to walk away. James called him back and told him, you know, to back up against the window. Larry pleaded for his life. And he tried to run, but James shot him in his heart, killing him. Now, James was later arrested in a nearby apartment complex after being chased by a co-worker of Larry, a businessman on the street, and a few workers at the apartment complex. Oh, fuck, I love that. People were like, fuck that shit, get him, which I love. Now, fun fact about Smith. Uh, he was a former tarot, uh, tarot card reader or tarot card dealer in New Orleans. Another interesting fact is when he was a child, he started messing around with voodoo, black magic, and witchcraft. He even claimed to have participated in six ritual killings uh, prior to him being arrested. So yeah, this guy definitely needed to be on death row. He's going around killing people for shit. Um, his last meal request, he wanted some dirt like some dirt, like dirt. That's what he wanted. (laughs) Not to consume it. Um, it said that he wanted a special kind of dirt, um, a special kind of dirt. I think it's called, and bear with me guys. Okay. I don't know how to say this. Damn it. Rakikunda. Rakikunda. I don't know, dude. It's R-H-A-E-A-K-U-N-D-A. That dirt, our dirt. I'm just going to call it our dirt. <laughs> and it's associated with voodoo, uh, voodoo rituals. Now, he said that he would he would use he would use it to mark his body so that his spirit would move on and he would not become a ghost. And the prison was like, um, no. So <laughs> he was given yogurt instead and executed by lethal injection. June 26, 1990. Before he died, he said that his that his ghost would haunt over Huntsville for 300 years. So that's a thing that happened. Yep. Whew, shit. This episode was way more than I expected. <laughs> but at first, I, at first I was going to just touch on their last meals but that would have been like a 10 minute episode, you know, probably less. So I decided to dig a little deeper into what they were put on death row for. So I hope you guys found this one interesting. Um, if there's anything that you take from this podcast episode, it's indigestion doesn't matter when you're on death row. Oh, oh, and also don't be a murderer. Professionally silly life rules, guys. Professionally silly life rules. Um, so 
a couple of episodes ago, I told you about some countries that are listening to us now and, you know, different countries. And I, I say, um, I say us because this podcast belongs to us all, even though I do most of the work, all the work, pretty much. Um, I love to share things with you guys. So it turns out we actually have more countries listening than I thought. Over 40 states are tuning in and out of um, <clears throat> are tuning in and 55 out of 195 countries are listening as well. So I'm excited as fuck about it. So I want to go ahead and shout them out. Obviously, we got United States, France, United Kingdom, Spain, Germany, Japan, Sweden, Canada, uh, Guyana, Russia, Poland, Australia, Ghana, South Africa, Taiwan, Ukraine, Nigeria, Mexico, United Arab Emirates, I always say that wrong, Netherlands, uh, India, Iran, Romania, Singapore, Denmark, Bahrain, Philippines, New Zealand, Kenya, China, Hong Kong, Jamaica, Austria, South Korea, Ireland, Cambodia, Argentina, Slovenia, Trinidad and Tobago, I probably said that wrong as well, Uh, Portugal, Saudi Arabia, Indonesia, Switzerland, Gambia, Pakistan, Vietnam, Israel, Uganda, Finland, Italy, Zimbabwe, Turkey, Norway, Kuwait, and Iraq. That's how many countries, all of those countries are listening to our little podcast. So that makes me feel good. It makes me feel, man, it makes me feel like I'm doing well. And if I just keep, if I keep, you know, working hard and I keep chasing the dream, you know, I keep chasing that proverbial carrot as I'm running, <laughs> trying to catch it. I feel like that um, success is around the corner. So this is making me feel really good. So shout out to all of you guys listening. And also, um, I would love if you guys would do me a favor because more than half of those people are listening on iTunes. And um, I would love it, love it, love it if you could give this podcast five stars on iTunes and share the professionally silly podcast with a friend or family member, whoever, or that weird person that sits on the bus next to you, or if you're in an Uber or Lyft share ride, you know, the person sitting next to you be like, hey man, have you ever heard of this podcast? No. You should be listening to it right now, sir or ma'am, <laughs> you know, so it's absolutely free to leave a review and it helps me out by getting my podcast out to others who haven't had a chance to check us out yet, you know, and uh, they will they will continue to miss out on all of this awesome if y'all don't if y'all don't help me out. You know, leave me five stars. Let them know what they're missing. You know, shout out. um, I want to go ahead and shout out to the War Party podcast for their review on iTunes. I love it when other podcasters check me out. It makes me feel good. It's awesome. You know, anyways, uh, the War Party podcast writes, hey, your friends from War Party. Anyways, wanted to say your sound quality is some of the best I've ever heard. Topics are intriguing and you are doing a great job. Keep on grinding. This podcast is going to blow up one day. I mean, like those are quotes. Those are quotes. I'm going to blow up one day. You guys just watch. (laughs) And that means so much to me, guys. So thank you so much for your review. And those of you listening, make sure you check out the War Party podcast. They've got some great content. Plus, 
they've got great taste. So, <laughs> I mean, they do like us. So I trust them with my life, obviously. So thank you guys so much uh, for your review and leaving me five stars. You guys have no idea how much I love it. When I get reviews from you guys, I read them the moment I get them. I'm super excited about it. I love reading your tweets. I love, you know, reading your um, your comments under my Instagram and all that stuff. I, I love it. You guys are awesome. And you are, and you, anyone who's taking the time, taking the time out of their day to review my podcast, to let me know that you're enjoying my content, let me tell you something. It means more than you could possibly know. It's, it's, it's like validation for all my hard work. So please, please review, review. Um, but before we end this podcast, um, be sure to stick around for two promo trailers from a couple of my favorite true crime podcasts. I said, God damn and dumb and busted. Also check out, um, check out what I said. God damn said about me and this podcast, you know, <laughs> I smiled ear to ear when I heard it. And then I literally fell out of my chair in excitement. That's that happened. It, it happened um, when I actually ended up posting it on my IG story. Yeah, me falling off my, my stool. That happened. It was hilarious. <laughs> so make sure you guys follow me so you don't miss any randomness in my life, I guess. My Instagram and my uh, Facebook and my Twitter and my uh, YouTube channel. All that information is down below in the show notes. So you can go ahead and uh and check me out so go ahead and take a listen to what i said goddamn podcast had to say about me <laughs> well god damn god damn oh we have a goddamn from our new bestie on instagram and twitter heck yeah a fellow podcaster true smiles jones what's up girl Girl, baby, what's up? <laughs> okay, so she sent us a goddamn. Oh, wait, and before I play it, you guys should stick around because actually we're playing her promo at the end for her podcast called Professionally Silly. Ooh. Uh, she's so much fun, though. Like, looking at all of her Instagram shit, I'm like, we'd be besties. I've literally just been, like, lurking in the background of these messages. I'm like, I want to be her fucking best friend. <laughs> oh, God, I get it. I get it so hard. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right, I'm ready. I said goddamn. Oh, that was fucking perfect. I felt heart in that one. That was movie quality. That was movie quality. Oh, shit. That was good. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> Damn. Thank you so much for sending it in. Thank I kind of actually you. bribed her to do it on accident. Did you? Well, she sent, like, a handful of, like, voice memos. Or, like, not voice memos. They were messages to us, but they were like, you have to click to play it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, is that a goddamn? I'm going to wait to click it. And then she was like, I mean, I'll send you a goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fucking take it. I hustled that one. Hell yeah. <laughs> you guys, send us your goddamns, because they literally make our day complete. It really does. <laughs> I, f I, f I fucking love those chicks. They are so badass. I love them. So make sure you guys go check out the I Said Goddamn Podcast. Because what you just heard, that's pretty much what you get for the entire podcast. Just hilarious banter. And also, uh, true crime info. So I'm down. <laughs> also, guys, don't forget to, um, you know, to check out the links in the show notes of this podcast. 
lots of bonus information for you there, like my social media information. I've got TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. By the way, love reading your tweets, so tweet us some stuff, you know what I'm saying? I've got a YouTube channel. It's also called Professionally Silly, and um, I've got some great content coming on that channel very soon. I have just begun a new series on my channel called Paranormal Blacktivity. Mmm, yeah. You know what it's about. (laughs) You get it. So lots more fun stuff headed your way on my YouTube channel. Super excited. So um, yeah, join in on the silly visually. Make sure you follow, subscribe me, subscribe to me, fan me, whatever you want to call it. Let's just get together and, and laugh together. Sometimes life is too serious. Let's talk about death row inmates. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but thank you guys so much for reviewing this podcast. For those of you who are taking the time to review this podcast and to show your support. Guys, it means a lot to me when you reach out, whether it's via Twitter, an iTunes review, my Google Voice number, your calling, what have you. It inspires me to keep going and, and it lets me know that, that you guys are not only listening to my content, but you're enjoying what you're listening to. And that, that means a lot to me. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and shout out all of you. I'm going to shout out every single one of you. Okay. All of y'all, uh, Brittany. Brenda, Latoya, Tasha, Cameron, Kevin. I'm just naming random names. I'm hoping that I named a few of you. (laughs) I hope I did. Thank you so much uh, for those of you supporting uh, the Professionally Silly podcast and the Professionally Silly YouTube channel. You guys are inspiring. Just thank you so much for your support. And, and if you don't have iTunes, no worries, guys. This podcast is available on Spotify, which is free. I have Spotify, okay? <laughs> Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and a few other podcast platforms. Just just Google Professionally Silly Podcast if you have a friend that wants to listen to it and they don't have iTunes or Spotify. They have 11 other platforms to choose from. Uh, if they want to join in on the silly team. Once again, guys, I'm your audible booth thing, Amber Smiles Jones. And thank you so much for listening to the professionally silly station here on Anchor FM, where I take my silliness seriously. So feel free to call in uh, about any episode of Professionally Silly that you've heard. And if you don't have the Anchor app, you can always call or text my Google Voice number 805-664-1828. Once again, 805-664-1828. Hit me up on Twitter at True Smiles Jones. Email me at ambersmilesjones at gmail.com. Once again, all that information is in the show notes. If you don't know how to spell stuff, it's down there. And, uh, you know, tell me which episode that you listen to and, uh, you know, share your opinion, whatever it may be. You know, say, have a ch- get a chance to hear your voice heard on the air. That'd be fine. That'd be fire, right? Yeah. I mean, I understand it's no longer the 1990s and hearing your voice on the radio is not as awesome as it used to be to some people. But to me, it's awesome because it's a podcast. It's the Internet. Your voice will be on the air until the Internet no longer exists. And that's going to be a long time. So, Woo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> oh my God. Until next time, my loves, watch where you step because there are pieces of shit everywhere. Also, don't go yet. Check out these two promos uh, from two of my favorite uh, true crime podcasts. I have many, many others, but 
these are the only promos I have currently. But <laughs> but these are definitely, definitely on my top five, like my top five of true crime podcasts. So that being said, uh, listen to the promos of these hilarious white ladies uh, talking about true crime. I fuck with them, all of them. And if any of y'all got something negative to say about my bitches, I mean, I, I really can't do nothing, but negativity is not good. Keep that, keep that out of our lives. All right. All right. true crime listeners check out our podcast i said god damn we're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by two besties who like to share messed up cases that make you say god damn every sunday we try to one-up each other's story by sharing a horrific case the other has never heard of along the way we splash in some wildly inappropriate jokes and colorful language listen every sunday from any of your favorite podcast directories also follow us on twitter at isgd podcast or visit our website isgdpodcast.com Dumb and Busted has been called, quote, one of America's greatest treasures by three out of three hosts of the show. Dumb and Busted is a weekly true crime comedy podcast with stories of exceptionally smart and insanely dumb crimes. Comedian Hunter Donaldson has hailed it as the greatest thing to come out of Portland since comedian Hunter Donaldson, who is me, also a host of the show. Podcasters Allison Copeland and Hannah Ether praise Dumb and Busted as, quote, found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Just more rave reviews from two other people who host the show. Catch us every Thursday and follow us at Dumb and Busted on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Crime you later!